My next guest is an NFL free agent defensive end as well as an AAF legend. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. DeMontre Moore. DeMontre, is everything going for you? Everything's going good. Blessed for having me. Appreciate y'all. Absolutely. So you said you're in San Fran. Weather's not too bad this time of year? Too bad. This is where I get my best training done. I'm actually out here uh, with a guy by the name of Hell's Trainer, uh, Frank Nacioni. Um, he, man, he, I can't speak volumes about this guy. He's trained like Blake Griffin, Steph. Uh, like he's trained a lot of NBA guys, Vaughn Miller, myself, Cyrus Gray, um, and Derek Rogers, and another uh, NFL people. But his training is just so rigorous and it's outside. And what better place to do it than in the Bay Area with the great weather and, you know, let Mother Nature give you the best gravity and the best adversity because when we're out there on the field, you know, we're playing with our bodies. So, um, yeah, I try to make my way out here, but it's been a blessing. So, yeah, just out here doing a little training. And like an average training day for you, what's kind of like your daily routine? How does your day go? Um, when I'm out here, um, typically we're up by eight. He wants us to eat at least two hours uh, beforehand because uh, a lot of his stuff is um, a lot of plyometrics and calisthenic, um, and we're all outdoors. Eight something, eat. He picks us up around nine o'clock, about 9.30, we're warming up. And by 9.45, we're rocking and rolling until about, um, it can be 10, it can be 10 o'clock, 10.30. Uh, sometimes it can. Uh, At night? Start, uh, no. Uh, oh, 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 I was gonna say like, damn, that's that's some long, that's long hours. Oh, wow, that's good. Bird catches a worm, but uh, when we first get out here, uh, funny story, um, the first time I ever trained with him, I was working out two months leading up into it. My uh, older brother, Cyrus Gray, who played for the Kansas City uh, Chiefs, he was a running back. Hey, um, this is hell training we're about to go to. We got to get in top shape. I'm like, bro, I'm ready. I was like, I'm leaning up. This is, I'm looking good. And then all of a sudden we get out there. Uh, he was like, all right. And he's been out there two years prior before me. As soon as we get out there, me and Justin Hunter, I'll never forget. We went out there. We went to uh, the Lions uh, Stairgate in California. Mm -hmm out there for eight minutes <laughs> and was dead and it's just something about him the way that he teaches the mechanics of it and the technique aspect he doesn't believe in uh the whole no pain no gain because at the end of the day you got to come back in there and work the next uh you got to got you got to be able to do your workout how many guys you think of they work out and then they get sore and they be like oh i can't do this i need to take the time off and recover yes you're going to feel that pain but once your technique goes then we're not doing it no more there's no point of uh, beating a dead horse so we'll end it so like I said it can vary um, when we first start get out here I've seen some guys last eight minutes I was eight minutes on my first day I've seen some guys last only three minutes and some guys last 20 minutes but then by the end of the uh probably a month after us being here our workouts go from eight minutes to an hour and a half to two hours straight but it's constant work um, if it's something that's doing push-ups and getting up and running and going, doing jogs, you're doing constant movement and you have proper techniques. So to go from eight minutes to a total of an hour and 30 minutes to two hour workouts, that's what we're training to. We're trying to do the longevity and it's healthy. You don't have to worry about all the stuff compressing your vertebrae and all that stuff. So um, it balances out. So I really love coming out here to do that. I know that's, that was. A, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So that, that first day, eight minutes. So in eight minutes, what, what are you doing? That's, that's what's tiring you out. Eight minutes. It just depends on if it's an upper or lower body day. For us that day, um, it was a lower body day. So we went to uh, the Lion Stairgate. Uh, and so that's where the mayor kind of stays at. And so these stairs, they go straight up and then there's a really steep hill with an incline. And um, literally, we just walked up there just to warm up, walk up and down. 
constantly keep your back uh, straight, you know, knees up to a certain point, uh, mid-stomach level, and, you know, uh, your feet flexion. Like, he's really keen on detail. And so once we got the proper technique of doing that, it was just simple walking up and having that steep incline and using your body weight. For me, I'm a 260-pound to 70-pound guy uh, when my, uh, my weight fluctuates. And so for me, doing that, and then uh, once we're warmed up, we'll start doing some jogs. We'll do maybe a sprint. He doesn't believe in running on cement. If anything, get faster. It's going to be a jog, so that way you're not putting that much pressure on your joints. But you're going to do it consistently. And if you haven't, having that type of incline and being on a Stairmaster are two different things. A hundred uh, hundred climbs on the Stairmaster compared to Dixie Stairs out here, which is um, – I counted it uh, the other day. It's 198 stairs to be exact, going straight up. And you have to deal with, you know, if it's a hot day, it's a cold day, if you got the weather and all that stuff, like natural weather and climbing. So for me, it simulates me being on the field and handling different adversity because I don't never know what my situation is going to be. The only constant variable that I know is my body, knowing how I can move it and how I can work it. So for us, that's why he wants us to get out here, you, you know, on the first day for upper body day. That was lower body, upper body day. We might do pull-ups, but the way that we're going to do it, we're going to go full range of motion, come all the way up, extend, make sure we get our head over the bar, but then go all the way down and fully lock out. Because most of the time when you see people do pull-ups, they stop right here, right here, and right there. No, it's all the way up here and then all the way down so you can get all of this here. And he'll only tell us to do maybe three or four of them in a row. He'll be like, all right, sir, only three pull-ups after we're warmed up but it'll only be two or three of us, but we're going constantly. So it's three pull-ups back to back. But by the time the end of the workout, you didn't did about a hundred pull-ups, 150 pull-ups. And the aspect of it, that's how you can build your wings and stuff. So I'm actually going to do, um, I posted a picture uh, of me doing some workout videos and stuff like that, but I actually have a great before uh, after body shot of just a six week comparison. So when I post it, I'll send it to you. But Yeah, for sure. It's work. I can't speak highly enough about it. So, so, so the off-season training, so is it just Monday through Friday? Or is it seven days a week? How long does it go? Monday through Friday right now while I'm out here. When I go back to Dallas, um, I'll be back in July. But uh, before I came out here, I've been out here for about three weeks now. Um, my regimen is completely different up there. Um, in Dallas, I was doing a normal weight training um, and doing some field work. Uh, that was football related, but I also was doing uh, boxing with um, the great uh, Derek James, uh, Errol Spencer's uh, uh, trainer. Uh, shout out to my guys, you know, him and the Charlo brothers got a fight coming up uh, this month and the following month. They, they're going to do their thing. But um, I was actually in boxing training camp with them. So I was uh, with uh, their trainer. And so I will box with him three times, maybe four times a week. And on top of that, I do my weightlifting. So it just depends uh, where I'm at. It, it all can change. But when I'm in Texas, I go five days a week, maybe sometimes six days a week. Um, on that sixth day, just a light boxing cardio and then do my recovery. And when I'm out here, um, it's a whole different type of training format. I go five days straight and then my body needs two days off. And on those two days off, uh, I'm doing all type of recoveries, getting IVs, uh, the float tank, stretching, and then doing normative boots. Interesting. That's wild. And then, so I want to ask your thoughts on some of these uh, off season storylines. What were your thoughts on like how the draft went and some of these moves some teams have made in free agency? Oh uh, man, it, it depends. Uh, you got to ask me which particular team I think. <laughs> um, 
was a great offseason for every team. Uh, it was a lot better. Uh, me being a free agent right now, last year, um, I felt like we were kind of in limbo um, with guys that are coming off injuries. On top of that, we were dealing with the COVID uh, pandemic, and we didn't really know how to navigate through these waters. And I feel like another year up under our belt with the new protocols that they implemented and us kind of being more familiar with it, um, it's better for us hindsight because now we can actually do free agent uh, visits. Last year, we couldn't even do free agent visits. And when they canceled the whole thing, um, everybody was like, okay, what do we do now? Uh, you're getting calls. People are interested. Well, we don't know when the, the regulation is going to open up. And when they do open up, we're going to have to do waiting versus now. You you got people going in and out uh, left and right. So I think this offseason overall has been better for draftees and free agents because now that we picked up a lot of time and last year when people – can go visit with their teens and talk to them or even have a, a solid pro day, but then go do these private workouts to impress somebody and earn it. Or for even, even if you look at all the stats right now with all the guys that are in the league, a lot of these guys are lower round draft picks or undrafted free agents. A lot of those guys typically earn their jobs during the OTAs and mini camps. And with that being counseled uh, last year, I think it helped a lot veteran guys out, but I think it also hurt a lot of the younger guys. So it was a double-headed sword versus this year. Now we have more options. Now we got the new CBA. Now we got the proper protocols in the plate. So I think this year has been more active as a whole. And so I think that's a good thing. I just wish my process would speed up a little bit more, but hey, it is what it is. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I know you spent some time with the Seahawks last year. And obviously I think for around the time of free agency last year, correct me if I'm wrong, Seattle was like pandemic central. <laughs> yeah. So um, how, did, how did that all go? Um, honestly, it went great. Um, we were one of the few teams that did not have a positive uh, COVID test last year. Um, that's a, a testimony to Coach Carroll and uh, the medical staff there. Um, they had a great plan, which he's always been that guy. This was actually my second stint with the Seahawks. And the one about Coach Carroll, he's always proactive. He has a plan. He's going to let you know how we're going to do it. And he's going to do it with enthusiasm. And he's going to implement that plan. It's not just going to give you a plan and be like, hey, let's do this for two or three days. It sounds good. And then we kind of wean off. No, he's going to hammer the nail, tooth the nail, and get it done. And so last year, he wasn't on us like a, a prison guard, but he handled us like grown men. He said, guys, if we want to be something and do something special, we got to handle ourselves as adults, just like we handle our career. You work out during the offseason, you train, you get your body ready. Well, guess what? Now that we have to deal with this pandemic, this is another adversity tool. And we need to handle this like grown men. We don't need to lose a starter. And we knew the goals and the things that we wanted to accomplish. So I, everybody took that serious. So like I said, once again, that's a testament to Coach Carroll, the medical staff, and then the team as a whole, because they gave us the blueprint, but it's up to us to follow it. And we followed it to tooth and nail, the city as a whole, they had their guidelines uh, with restaurants being shut down and stuff like that. And so I think everybody was just really cognizant of it. So um, it jumped out early, but then after that, once we got it like handled, uh, handled and settled and we seen our plan, we implemented it. We, like I said, we were managed to go the whole year without a positive test. So it was a good thing. I heard he doesn't share his gum. <laughs> nah um he he shares wisdom insight and technique but uh when it comes to food and stuff like that he is a true competitor you gonna have to get it from him so nah i've never even bothered asking him for a piece of gum and then on top of that i mean 
most people you usually intimidated by your coach. So you don't just ask us for stuff like that. But he's actually, he's really like a good guy. He'll tell you, we got all the type of candy in the locker room. Like That's what I've stuff. heard. I heard he's got like a big old container, but just for him. He has his, um, um, he has his container, but honestly, um, EK, uh, one of the best equipment guys. I love all my equipment guys, but uh, that I've had in the league, uh, since I've been in the league. I've been in the league for nine years, but EK is one of my favorite guys. He's down to earth. And he's going to have all the good snacks for you. He has it. He has about eight containers filled with different things. You got Jolly Ranchers. You got uh, the fruities, the old uh, Tootsie Roll fruities with the different flavors. You got a big canister of that. You have the Lifesavers, Reese's, Snickers, gum. Like He has everything in there. And he's like, hey, my rule is just come in here, get you some, use your cup, close it back up. You do that, we'll be fine. So everybody got their snacks. So that's a that's just really a, a shout out to uh, my boy EK over there, the equipment guy. He's the one that get all of us laced up. So they got to give him enough hero. So I have a question. What was it like playing with DK Metcalf? Obviously one of the most up and coming receivers in football. Man, <laughs> it's an honor. Um, I've I've been fortunate enough to see. Um, a lot of great receivers, uh, you know, if it's from me coming in the league my rookie year, playing with Victor Cruz and being in the locker room with him and seeing how the media blew him up and see his talent, you know, to be there and see Odell Beckham play from the rise uh, from when he first came in there to being on the sideline when he had his catch to being uh, – you know, one of the most prolific receivers we have now. And then to go and see DK, it's like it's a, it's a different animal. Everybody's special in their own way. But literally the first time I walked in there and I seen him, I didn't know, like, this is, that's DK. But it was like, hold on, is that a DN? And then they turned around and it was like, nah, that's DK. I was like, oh, shit. Dude's about my height and just rocked up and chiseled. And he's really, he's really soft-spoken, but he's funny and he's a great guy. But when I tell you he's one of the biggest competitors I've seen, like, that guy is something special. And he has a chip on his shoulder and he plays angry and big, as aggressive as he looks. Um, I can't, he's just a physical specimen. He's even a better person, man. Just, uh, like I said, he's really quiet and soft-spoken, but once you talk to him, he's going to constantly, he's going to joke around with you and he'll be one of the guys, but he's always about his business. As far as when he comes in there, he's not doing too much talking. He's going to joke with the people that he talks to, but he's there to work. And when you see somebody that young and be such a pro's pro like that already, you just be in awe and you'd be like, man, I'm glad to say that I got him on my team. Did you think he was going to chase down Buda Baker? Or was that a surprise to you? Um, I know he was going to chase him down, but to see him go get him like that, it was just like on the side. I was like, oh, hawk him down, hawk him down. There you go, there you go, there go that gazelle. And when he finally caught him, it was like, whoo, man, that dude is fast. <laughs> That's all you like. We we were sitting over there, it was like, hey, y'all, like, and. I knew he was fast, but like I said, I didn't know he was that fast. Like once they caught the pig, it was like, okay, dang, ain't nobody gonna catch him. It's like, hold on, DK got a good chance. He might not catch him. Hold on, those strides got they just got longer and longer. And once he caught him, uh man, that was just a good surge. And it was like I said, that's just a testimony to him being a competitor and just having that uh won't quit mentality. That's what I mean. Like it's an honor to play with guys like that. And you know, you'll be able to say I did something in my career and I was around such a great group of guys and to be around these talented athletes like that does he remind you of any former receivers i've, I've heard a couple who told um heard moss heard uh to does he remind you of anybody um to be honest with you i've never played with those guys so i don't i can't compare him to that um k 
can I say that he has the caliber to be one of those special receivers like that? He can be a Moss, a T.O., um, you know, Ocho. He could, he's going to be one of those guys when it's all said and done um, with his mentality. I think his name will be up there with the greats, but um, I know me as a competitor, I don't like being compared to other people and I'm pretty sure he wouldn't either, but I can't, I can't really call it, man, because as even I was the biggest T.O. fan and to say that these guys are big and fast, it's like the cream of the crop, like they're getting better each and every year. Like you think it's one year, like this guy's a physical specimen and then you see this guy and it's like, I have yet to see a receiver that is built like a DN runs as fast as one of the top receivers in the league and be as, as physical and have a defensive uh, player mentality as far as when he attacked the ball. So um, I think he's one of a kind, but to say that he's a Randy Moss and T.O., no, nah, he's D.K. Metcalf, one of the guys that's going to be mentioned with those guys up there. So talent level, yes, but um, comparing them to somebody, I wouldn't do him like that. I would let him make his own name for himself, which he already has. How did the defense, how did the, just the feeling of being on that defense change when Jamal Adams was finally healthy and kind of joined you guys? Oh, man, anytime that you can get one of your starters back, like that, that speaks dividends. Uh, we knew that we had a defense. We knew we were a couple steps away, and it was just a little bitty uh, details that we had to fix. Um, you got one of the best, uh, if not the best, uh, middle linebackers in the game to ever play, yeah. Bobby um, KJ Wright, who was a great leader and having one of his best years um, at outside linebacker. And then the D-line, that we were hunting. Um, you had Jeremy Bissamel, who they bought back. And then they added Carlos Dunlap. You had all the pieces that were there. And when Jamal was there, obviously that was – it spoke for itself. He led, uh, <laughs> he led the team in sacks. He's one of the DBs in the league. So for our defense to be as good as it was and to be just only a couple plays away – and once we added Jamal back, it was just like the writers on the wall. We wasn't worried. Like we knew how good we were before then uh, with him there, but we knew we would get that much better once we added him. And then even when we didn't have him, um, we knew how good we were because a lot of those young guys stepped up. Uh, he was being a leader even when he wasn't on the field. Uh, if it was as far as something as uh, him leading Ryan Nip, who had um, – uh, uh, outstanding year as far as when everybody went down, uh, Marquise Blair went down with injury. Ryan Neal was able to uh, step up. Uh, DJ Reed, we had a lot of guys that stepped up. And so um, they stepped up, one, because the coaches put them into play. Two, they were they put in the work and the hour and the time and the effort. But three, they also had Jamal that was there that would help them, coach them up. And honestly, they all coached each other up. So, um, like I said, it was just really great. We already knew what we were going to do and what we were capable of. And once we got him there, it was like, all right, now we got that. We got our best kept secret at, uh, back now. Now we can fully fire on all cylinders. Where does Bobby Wagner rank amongst the best middle linebackers you've ever played with? <laughs> the best. <laughs> um, I play, I play with a lot of guys, but um you know, a lot of guys played at a lot of high caliber as far as Sean Lee, um, you know, John, uh, John Beeston. Um, I played with a lot of good guys, but, you know, that's no knock on none of them. But if I had to put my hat on somebody, the stats speak for itself. What they say, numbers don't lie. Um, his numbers speak for itself. He's even a better competitor, and he's a good guy. He's going to talk to you. And, like, Bobby, the way that he talks to you, he's, he's, um, he's attainable. 
Like you can just go in there. If it's something as simple as uh, we just all used to sit in our player development, Mo Kelly's uh, office in the morning before meetings. And he will be in there every morning. And like all the older guys and younger guys just come in there, talk to Mo, but Bobby will be there. And we'll, and if there was something on his mind, Bobby will tell you like, okay, this is what type of practice we're going to have today. Hey, D-more, I love the way you joke around and you're a good guy, but how much better can you be if, uh, you know, if you lock in a little bit more? And it's something the way that he said it was like, no, we love your energy. Keep that going. But also, you know, just make sure you know your assignments. Make sure that you're doing this. Hey, there's going to be a month. And him saying that, that was his way of saying, like, he knew the script for practice and knew that I was going to get a trick play, but he was giving me my heads up. And then when we're out there on the field, to for the general to be loud, it's not that often you can get a general that knows everybody's assignment, knows his own assignment, actually make adjustments for you if you're making the wrong mistake and play off of you, but then still go downhill. Like he has every um, tool in his arsenal, every card in his deck, as far as knowing his assignment, attacking downhill, the coverage aspect, physical, talking to him, and then just being a good person overall, as far as, you know, communicating with you, joking with you, uh, hey, you know, D-more, you got to tighten up. Hey, guys, you got to tighten up here. Hey, guys, you know what? This wasn't my best week. I got to be real with y'all. I need to study a little bit more, and I want y'all to hold me accountable there. His his thing is, is always accountability and always getting better. And, and for him, um, like I said, I can't speak. Uh, I can't give him enough flowers. And like I said, he's definitely one of the best linebackers I played with. Yeah, and I want to ask you, sir, about your uh, counselors. You played A&M. I had Dante all, Dante Hall on a while ago, and I know he, you guys. He was there way before you. He said the parking there is horrible. <laughs> yeah, it definitely is. You definitely don't want to mess with the parking generals over there. And I think uh, I, I think I got one parking ticket that I just had to pay uh, two semesters ago. I went back to school trying to finish up my degree. I'm like four classes away. When I got like halfway through the semester, I was waiting on my grades to come through. I just got an email. It was like, hey, uh, make sure you take care of this unpaid fine and you're not able to get your transcript or and your class is not going to count. I'm like, what? what? What unpaid fine? And so long story short, I ended up calling them. They was, oh, yeah, you got a parking ticket from 2013. I'm like, the year that I was drafted? And it was like, yeah, um, you know, it's kind of escalated. So you definitely don't want to play with a when it comes to their parking tickets. Escalated to how much? Ooh, a G being classified. I can't give you that one. It, it didn't go, but I mean, it was it was enough for me to be like, really? Like, <laughs> yes, I got to pay this, but yeah, it was, wasn't cool. Did, is, was it to the point where they like, once you paid it, like that spot's yours for life or like, nah? It's like, hey, you ain't got nothing on your record. You won't, you won't come out of class with a boot on your car. <laughs> and that's that was the hard part. Is when I can't tell you how many people park somewhere and think that they're good, and then we're running late to class or a workout, and you got a boot on your car, and then it's like, oh, so long, man. I gotta go, and we run out to practice, and you leave the person there. You definitely didn't want to be late uh, because you had a boot. Sometimes people will leave their car uh, there for a day or two until like just not to be late to practice and will say, forget their cars. <laughs> but that's how frequent it would happen that it'd be like, oh, he got a parking ticket, he got a booth. Don't worry about it. <laughs> like, it was just like waking up for us another day. Did you, you have any funny stories about playing with Von Miller at AM? <laughs> yeah, man, uh, countless. <laughs> Can't, um, I would say the best story I have uh, about Von, uh, 
would be my freshman year when we came in. Uh, you know, he was this guy, he told me the year before, he was like, yo, I'm going to come back and play, you know, I'm going to mentor you and this and that. And then we ended up having a great relationship. And um, when I was going through my recruiting trip, his parents was like, yo, we're going to take care of you. Like, they became my godparents. And they was like, you're good. Like, if you need advice, just talk to us and, like, you know, just help you navigate through the pitfalls of, you know, college. I was 17 when I came in. And so, um, you know, Vaughn became this older brother figure. And it was like, oh, this guy's cool. Well, as soon as we get up there and we're in training camp, he was like, all right, guys, you know, it's a bonded thing that we're about to do. He was like, what? And it was like, this is what we're going to do. Everybody's going to get their head shaved. <laughs> and we was like, oh, no, I ain't getting my head shaved. You got all different type of guys. You got Houston guys, Dallas guys, Katie guys. Everybody's just like, no, I'm not doing that. And it was like, one, you can either do it and it could be a great bonding experience. Or two, we can get all the seniors in here and start pinning people down and it's gonna get it's gonna happen one way or another. Either your head's gonna get shaved willingly or unwillingly. And so, you know, obviously we're rebellion. The whole freshman class have a meeting at night. We like, yo, run away, go in packs of three, like, and don't let the upperclassmen get you. So the first day we go by good. The second day it's like, all right, man, you might as well just go ahead and get out of the way. And so once they got like one or two people, they got like two small receivers, Tony Hurry and LeKedrick Williams. They got them, and what we did was every year we would have signature haircuts. And so for us, our year, it was the Uncle Phil fade. <laughs> so we would have all this right here, but flag for everybody. So um, for me, it was like, man, you know what, bro? They're going to really get us. I done got away two days ago. Do I really want to run the whole training camp from them? And so me and all my roommates, Ben Molina, Dominique Patterson, and Cedric O'Boyhe, um, we were just like, man, tomorrow we're just going to go in there. We're just going to take it like a champ, man. So we go in there. He was, and Vaughn's just sitting there with the Clippers. He was like, so I heard y'all already. And, and so I was just like, man, let's go ahead and do that. And so Nate asks you, uh, he pops it off first. Then all my roommates, we come in there. And so um, the speed of the story, pretty much he gets the whole class and he shaves all our heads. And so for me, I had the Uncle Phil, it's still on my Facebook. And then I had like a little Adidas sign cut right here in the front. And that was mine. My roommate, he had the he had the Uncle Phil with like a little swirl patch right here with a little curl hook. My other roommate had the Uncle Phil with the Bart Simpson lineup. And so I say all that to say it was funny. We all laughed at each other. And once like everybody kind of just said, you know what, forget it. We just gonna sit in here and let them do all of that. We go into practice the very next day. Um, well, before we go into practice, after everybody gets got, Vaughn was like, see, I like the way y'all stepped up. And just to show y'all that I like, I like y'all, who gonna do my hair? And so he cuts his hair. And honestly, after he cut his hair that day, <laughs> his hair never really kind of grew back evenly. But you know, hey, I I love it because it showed uh, how much of a leader he was. He, um, at the end of the day, nobody wanted to get their hair shaved, but it was like a good bonding thing. We all laughed amongst each other. But he also, for him to be that guy and be the player that he was and humble himself and come down to a freshman's level and actually get his head shaved with us, like that let us know that he was us and we're a part of the team. And like, all right, now, guys, we're really here at a So it was the best thing. And then um, to make the story even better, uh, very next day at practice after all the freshmen are cut, Coach Sherman uh, is sitting there and we get done practicing. Coach Sherman calls everybody up and he said, hey, uh, okay, guys. 
Everybody take their helmets off. Guys, who who ideas was this? And then Vaughn just stands up. He's like, it was it was it was us, coach. Like we was having fun. He said, okay, I I got it, guys. It's it's all fun. Everybody wants to bond, but uh, we can't all be out here looking looking like this. Everybody getting there and shave their heads. So after that, we all had to shave our heads completely bald. But we had pictures to uh, show it. But um, I want to say that he's kept that tradition going wherever he's gone. But uh, that, was one of, that was my next question, because the Broncos every year have rookie haircuts. I was wondering if Vaughn still got those clippers. Yeah, he still got those clippers and he's still going. But great bonding experience. And just for him to put his stuff on that level, um, that's one good tradition that um, he started at a and and then he kept going. What was it like playing with Tannehill? <laughs> Tanny was man. Uh, Tannehill was so great, bro. Because uh, Tannehill was actually a receiver when I first uh, got there. Um, yeah, Tannehill was one of the top uh, uh, recruited uh, quarterbacks, and Gerard Johnson, uh, who was up for the Heisman when we were there, he was a backup to him. But um, I don't know how the story kind of transpired before I got there, but pretty much uh, they moved him to receiver. And when they had him at receiver, Tannehill actually had like all the uh, pretty much majority of the receiving records um, that Mike Evans ended up breaking eventually uh, uh, him and Ryan Swope. But uh, yeah, he was a great athlete and he was a, he was a good guy. And like most quarterbacks, you, you think of them, they, they joke and then they go and study and stuff like that. No, he was in the locker room with us. He talked to us and, um, it was just different. We didn't look at him as a quarterback. We looked at him more as a receiver. Like he 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 embraced getting hit. He took on uh, the challenge, and he he was an aggressive player. So um, he's probably um, he's one of the most talented athletes, uh, all around athletes, because he can hoop. He played uh, quarterback, and he actually was really good at receiver. Um, he had the record for uh, I think most uh, reception touchdown season for uh, AM at one point in time. So. Um, when you go look at the AM record books, he's got he got receiving records, uh, and he got QB records. So once he went to the league, I was like, Yeah, once he actually can play quarterback for a few years, because he only played like a year and a half before he got drafted, it was like, Let him get his feet wet and let him get comfortable. He's going to be something special. And I mean, it's paid off dividends. He's got paid multiple times, let his team, uh, led different teams to the playoffs and doing what he's doing now. Like, it, the proof is in the pudding. He's a great athlete. Yeah. What was it like when the, the rookie or the freshman named Johnny Manziel walked into the locker room? Uh, man, um, Johnny was a uh, Johnny was a superstar before he even got up there. Um, me and Vaughn was actually roommates uh, the day before the game. He uh, told Coach Sherman uh, that he wanted to kind of like mentor me and stuff like that. And so the one thing Vaughn would do uh, on the weekend, he would wet, wet, we, uh, we would wake up and watch college game day and then also watch uh, the local news and they would talk about all the powerhouse football teams in Texas. And so when they were talking about Johnny before he even committed, he was like, man, we're going to get him. If we get him, like that's going to be legit. And for him to have all these records and once Johnny committed, it was like, I'll snap next year. Like, you know who this is. And so he had a lot of hype coming in to, uh, and, and once he got on campus, he lived up to every bit of it. The things that he was doing that got him the Heisman, he was doing that when he was red shirt. So the, we were so good as a defense because in scout team, we had Mike Evans and Johnny Manziel. Like, 
two first round picks that we had that was they were blocking dummies for us, catching dummies. Like they were, they were, <laughs> they were scouts for us. And Johnny would run around like it would get to the point to where Johnny would embarrass us sometime in practice, to where the older D lineman would be like, you know what? If he wants to run around, he wants to embarrass us in front of Coach Sherman. Everybody hit him, and like we'll give him a little shove, and Johnny took it like a champ. He would one, he would embarrass us. He like he'll get us, but then we'll get him too, and we'll go over there and we'll give him a love tap, and he'll get up and just laugh it off or dust it off and be like, oh, that was a good job or something like that. Now, we wouldn't just kill him and give him a kill shot, but you'll give him a good shove or something like that. And Johnny embraced it. Mike Mike Evans was the same way. He'll scramble around. You got Mike over here mossing people with two hands, one-handed catch. He he was doing the one-handed catch before I see Odell do it in practice uh, as a red shirt. So for them to have that chemistry and build up that relationship, all of a sudden it was it – was, we already knew what was going to happen that next year. And it was always going to be there. The writing was always in the start. He's always been talented. He's always been that guy. And he's been a great person. He's made his teammates and uh, the people around him um, better as a player. And so we love Johnny, like, from the day that he stepped on the team. When you guys were, like, out or at a party or something, and Manziel would just walk in, would just, like, all the attention just turn to him? I feel like he was just, like, a, like a superhero anywhere he went. That was, that was the Clark Kent of uh, College Station. <laughs> that man couldn't walk around without being noticed. Um, it, it got to the point to where he was running across campus and people was chasing him, and he had, like, security and stuff like that. So, but um, even with that said, for him to be the superstar and have the notoriety and be the person that he was, he was still such a great dude. He was very humble, and he would talk. And for me, um, I was a big guy on just people having that stardom or that factor and just – that notoriety and just being attainable. Like Johnny was sitting there and being in the locker room with us and just be roasting and telling jokes with us the hour after practice and stuff like that, just shooting the stuff where most people will either be going to study or leaving and stuff like that. He was one of the guys. So um, I love I love him um, as a football player and I love him even more as a person. He's a great guy. And I want to ask you before I let you go, you tell me about your, your experience with the AAF because I loved the AAF and then it was gone. Uh, yeah, I love the AF, man. Um, everything, everything. I'm a firm believer in everything happens for a reason. And with the AF, um, I think that even though it's gone, it was one of the best uh, things that happened for me. It helped me rejuvenate my career, just like many other people um, that got tryouts and, you know, that shot to get back into the league, either because they never got the shot or they were coming off an injury like myself, or if they were just trying to build up their resume to get back there. I think for whatever reason it was, we whoever participated in it, we all took advantage of the opportunity. We all enjoyed it. And the everybody plays this game to win, but once we get older, the one thing that everybody tells you and the thing that is the most challenging as far as letting go is the brotherhood. And for the AAF, um, when we all came in there, we all knew what we wanted to do. Some people knew that they were going to make it back to the league. Some people didn't know they were going to make it back to the league, but we all knew that we had the opportunity and it gave us hope. And so for us to just go in there, bond it out, stick it out, uh, we didn't know when we were going to get paid but it was still a great experience. We got paid. Uh, you know, you got to play the game that you love, and then you got to have fellowship, but you also got to build up your resume. Um, I had Coach Mike Martz, you know, who was the best. Uh, he was uh, referred to as uh, the best coach. Or, or they had the best show on turf uh, with the Rams. Um, you had a lot of experience over there. And for a lot of guys, when you go to the NFL, 
that quality one-on-one time to develop yourself as a player and to have all that NFL experience over there um, at the palm of our hands and be so attainable, they could give us critiques. They can help us out. And so um, I feel like it did what it needed to do as far as opening up doors and windows. I wish it would have stayed uh, afloat, but I also think that it laid a great blueprint for some of these other leagues um, as far as the CFL or the XFL or any other league, Texas Spring League that uh, started up, all these other leagues that um, are starting up and giving a lot of these guys a shot. Um, I think it's because of the AF and then the XFL and all these other leagues before. Um, I think with the AF, they picked up uh, what was wrong from the XFL, the good things that they did, but also the bad things that they did and learn from it and also – in that same breath, it wasn't perfect. They made their mistakes, but also they got better. And so I think they laid the foundation for another league to kind of come in there and be a developmental league to ultimately help all these guys like play at the highest level or whatever it is uh, that they can play it. If that's the CFL, if that's the XFL, or if that's it, the NFL, but just to help people fulfill their dream. And it was another outlet. So I can't speak. I, I I can't speak highly enough about that league because that league gave me the shot to get back in there, leading me to go play with San Fran to making it to my first football ever. So um, if it wasn't for the AF, I probably wouldn't have been in San Fran. I probably wouldn't be back in the league, and I probably wouldn't be going into year my uh, year nine right now as a free agent. So um, I think the AF they will always have a special place in my heart. I actually got my. Um, I actually still got a lot of my AF stuff because my wife was pregnant with my son around that time. And so um, besides the motivation of having that opportunity, um, I remember I was doing it for my son and that's when I actually like rekindled that childhood love and passion for it. So anytime I think of the AF, I think about my wife when she's pregnant with my son, he was born around that uh, right after it ended. And then also getting me back into the league and um, helping me prolong my career even more. Question: how, how much time do you guys spend uh, watching film of Trent Richardson on those those HV dives from the one yard line? Man, <laughs> it, it, we watched we watched enough film on it, but at the end of the day, it was just like there's only so much film you can watch, bro. At the end, of the day, <laughs> put the knuckles in the ground and say mano y mano, let's go bring the strap. And then, hey, it's time to hook up with the truck and the trailer. Let's just hope that my diesel is better than his diesel. So uh, we had some good battles over there. Um, Good battles in the NFL, um, and then too. So, um, yeah, so for me, it was just kind of like riding a bike for me. It was just like, all right, gotta get up and hit this tractor again. So, let's go ahead and do it. It's wild, even now, looking at those box scores, and you're like, exactly five rushes, three touchdowns, two yards. How'd this happen? Two, two. All they would do is get right there, and then they'd be like, all right, I mean, uh, what's his Bell the bulldozer uh, that play for OU. Like every time you would get in there, uh, he'd be like, they'd be like, all right, here come the bell dozer. OU, they would strike up the uh, the the hunchback of Notre Dame bell, and you knew it was going on the one yard line. It's just straight down here. And that's why I was like, oh man. So, Richard, hey man, come on, man. Get get it to zero, man. Get it to zero. I'm gonna get the four. We just go bear crawl. We go get this going. And we just go pray for glory. So, you know, uh, we we won more than we lost. And so at the end of the day, that's all it's about winning more than you lose. What what did you start to get some red flags about the AAF? Like after you were in it, you're like, oh, that's probably legit. What 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 kind of caught you off guard? And then when are you gonna know, okay, this might not last? To be honest with you, um, 
I really didn't know. Like when you before it started up, you were like, oh man, this might fold, it might not last, this and that. But once you started going through it, it was just like every other training camp. We were in there. Obviously, it's a new league. So some of the stuff we got and there's new protocols. Um, but overall, like at, at least at our team, uh, I've heard at other teams there was some other um there were some things that went on that wasn't really good. I believe the Memphis team, uh, their bill wasn't even paid for. Yeah, and I heard that. That's one of the things I heard. Uh, I think they got kicked out of their hotel. Well, with us, we've seen all our checks. Um, all our checks that we played, we got every one of them. Now, the ones that we didn't get once they canceled, we didn't get that. We didn't get our endorsement money. But overall, we had everything. Did a, a fine job of making sure that our money was distributed. Dave, Dave Bowler, who was our GM, he went above and beyond. Like whenever, whenever there was a hiccup at another team, um, we leadership council, and we can just go straight in there and be like, Coach Martz, Dave, what's going on? Uh, at the end of the day, we're grown men. People got family to see this and that. And they'd be like, Oh, this is what it is. Okay, we're gonna make it. We're gonna make it a point to go get this. And Coach Martz would go over there and talk to the league owner and be like, "All right, we need this uniform. We need that." So we never went without. Um, now we, the thing that made us kind of like more cognizant of that this might not last going into like the last week or two was because um, everything that we heard from the other teams, from the Memphis team or you know Utah team and stuff like that, y'all aren't doing. This. We ain't got our money yet. We still ain't got paid in two or three weeks. And we were like, no, we got paid. We're we're good over here. So um, that's a testimony to Coach Martz and how they ran it. But um, we kind of like, all right, hopefully this doesn't happen over here with us. But, you know, we kind of had that mindset, like, as long as our team is good, that's all we worry about. Um, but it became real three days before the council did. Uh, the rumors were going around on ESPN and stuff like that. We talked to Coach Martz, who used to talk to everybody in the front office all the time. And he was like, hey, is this true? And he was like, no, as of right now, we're good. The money's there, blah, blah, blah. And so um, we actually was getting ready for the game. And we were in the middle of the meeting. And I got a alert on Bleacher Report that uh, the league was folded. The guy uh, pulled out his money or whatever. And we had a break in between the meeting and I text my agent. I was like, Hey, Jovi, um, is this true or whatever? And he was like, I think so, but I'm not sure, you know, you're there. Won't you ask them? And so, um, me, me and a couple other guys that were on the leadership council, I told the defensive coach, I said, Hey coach, uh, do you got any, um, did you catch any word of this? And I showed him, he was just as shocked as I was. And he was like, no, I haven't heard anything. He was like, won't you go tell coach March right now? So, um, I ended up going to interrupt the offensive meeting and I was like, hey, Coach Marks, we just got this message. Everybody wants to know, like, the defensive coaches don't know, the players don't. Like, have you heard anything? And he said, no, I really, I was just on the phone with them. Give me five minutes and I'll call you back. He went in there, had a 10-minute meeting, and at that moment, that's when it finally sucked in that it was like, dang, guys, this is really the end. And we were having a great season. We were bonding. People were making plays. We had one of the top defense there. So for us, it was kind of like that last day of school, like, we didn't think it was going to happen, but when it happened, like everybody was sad. And so 10 minutes later, he came out and he was like, hey, guys, we're just going to end everything for the rest of the day. It's not canceled fully, but right now it's suspended. So y'all might want to get ready, but just go home and we'll let y'all know what we got to do tomorrow. And once we all kind of went home, uh, once he told us that, we kind of seen it in everybody's face. It was like, yeah, this is the end, guys. Like everybody went in there and tried to grab this stuff out the locker room and then Later on that night, he said, we're going to have a team meeting. And then the next day is when um, Coach Mark said his official goodbyes. But like I said, 
you kind of you kind of smelt it in the air like two or three days uh, leading up to it, just because what we were hearing from other organizations. But the one good thing about San Diego Fleet was they made sure we was taken care of, we were properly compensated, and um, if they had to go do something out of their pocket or something like that, they made sure that we were good. So um, yeah, that that that's it's a sensitive it's a sensitive topic for me it's like i love it but at the same token i'm so sad that it just ended abruptly like that we were supposed to do something special yeah no, that's what, so you said one of the other teams that couldn't even get in the hotel yeah um so the memphis team from my understanding was um they were in uh they all were staying in the hotels and um the team was in charge of paying for it and i believe like coming like when the league got suspended and officially announced that it was over um what they say happened uh i guess the team made an arrangement with the hotel to pay them at the end of the season or something like that so pretty much their whole bill wasn't paid for the whole year and so i actually um, know a couple players that i talked to and literally they said that they locked all the doors and stuff like that and people couldn't come get it their stuff and they was like well we didn't know about this the team was responsible and for the so they locked all the doors and then after that they gave them like a two-day window they was like hey we're gonna unlock the doors tomorrow at a certain time y'all need to make sure that y'all have all y'all stuff out of there by this time frame and you know you're kind of on your own and so um now i don't know the full extent of you know some people paid to stay an extra few days and stuff like that but they were in a time crunch and so that's why i said i will I'm glad that we didn't have to deal with that. And then there were some people that said that they were short a couple of like seeing all our checks that we paid for. We didn't get our paid appearances and stuff that was supposed to be paid at the end of the year um, and stuff like that. But we got to see all our checks. We got to get our living stipend and all that stuff. So um, like I said, our organization, they handled us pretty well. We, versus where some other people, like I said, they were very, they they wasn't as pleased as far as their living experience. They were pleased with the football experience, but off the field stuff was. That's unbelievable. One of these days, I'm gonna do a thirty for thirty on it because that was just that was just the whole thing was just bizarre. That's wild. Um, and then so, how can people follow find you on social media, IG, Twitter? I saw you have Twitch. How do people follow you, follow you on Twitch? I just uh, I just launched my Twitch. Um, D Noop uh, nineteen eleven. I'm streaming all games, RPGs mainly, but uh, definitely on there for a little war zone. Meet me there. Um, Instagram is the monster ninety eight. Twitter is Timor ninety four. And uh, shoot, just Google just Google me. You can find all of it there. Um, don't hesitate to reach out to me. I'm very active. Uh, you know, I'm a question or a click away. Find me there, and uh, I'm streaming uh, Mondays. Uh, Mondays at uh, 7 o'clock and Friday, 7 o'clock Texas time. So um, if y'all want to just come up there, get a little gaming in and maybe ask some football talk, pull up. Hey, appreciate it. Well, do appreciate you taking the time. Can't wait until I get that notification from Twitter. Demontre uh, Moore has signed with X team. Can't wait. and Can't wait to see where you land this season, but do appreciate you taking the time to chat. I appreciate it, man. Thank you for having me on here, and I can't wait, man. Thanks for giggling. Absolutely. Appreciate it. Man.